Hello everyone and welcome back to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. I'm your host Jono and today we are jumping into the forward line. I think this is going to be a fun chat because this has got to be the team the team line that has the most value. I'm, I'm actually struggling to fit in everybody that I want, so excited to get stuck into it. But before we do, let's check in with some of our other co-hosts here on the podcast today. We are missing Will, unfortunately, so you'll have to be jumping on the next one. But let's start with you, Liam. How are you doing? G'day, Jono. I am excellent. Keen to talk some forwards. Much like you, there's about eight that I want to fit in, and that doesn't include rookies. So I am uber keen today. Yeah, no, glad I'm not the only one with the excitement. Mel, how about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I am well and also very excited for this episode, but almost for the other reason, because there are so, so many great rookies. Uh, this, the rookie forwards is where the value is, and I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And it's one where we don't necessarily just have to limit our focus to some of these expansion sides because who knows about expansion forward lines? That's a that's a tricky one. So we get a bit more spread here, which will be fun. But look, let's let's start not down the bottom, but right at the top. We've got some quality, quality forwards this season. Mel, you've prepared a top five for us, and I'm excited to hear what you've got. I have. So for top five, I've got here uh, Jazz Garner, Tyler Hanks, Gabby O'Sullivan, Aaron Phillips and Kate Hall, in that order. I'm very glad that you've decided to throw Jazz Garner up the top because she's sitting currently at F1 in my team. I think it's the, the easiest pick that I'm going to make. Do you want to jump in and say why you've got Jazz Garner up there? Yeah, so Jazz Garner is in her own world. I mean, we talk about top five, but it's kind of Jazz Garner and then everyone else. So you really can't go past her. She was one of the top 10 midfielders in season six. And because of the way that Season 7 is working with the... Um, if you've got a dual position, they're kind of favouring that position for your listing. It means you got listed as a forward. So we've got one of the highest scoring mids from last season listed as a forward. Um, really can't go past that. She has a ceiling over 120, which is huge. Not only that, though, she's got four games where she scored over 100. So high points and consistently high points. And she really fills out the stat line. She gets a little bit of everything. She is the most expensive forward, so she's kind of deserves that number one spot purely on price alone. But did you guys see her in the preseason game? Yeah, no, I did watch the uh, Adelaide North Melbourne game, and she was playing mostly through the guts. Did a lot of good work in the forward line as well. But yeah, it, it's great to have a forward that's you know at the coalface, getting the ball out of the centre. And I, I can't believe she's going to average. I would probably have her as a midfielder in my team, if I'm being entirely honest. I think if she was only listed as a mid, I'd still expect her to go 95, which is going to put a 10, 15 points above the next forward, which is just crazy. I think it's one that you potentially won't be able to afford if you don't start with her. So to me, it's a it's an easy decision. What do you think, Liam? I... Look, I'm very bullish as well. I agree with you that I think she's going to be the highest priced forward and she might be prohibitively expensive. I'm not entirely sure I am this similarly bullish on the 95 average. I feel like last year she was kicking some absolute bags of goals, and I'm not. And I'm very anti goals being consistent stat for midfielders. It is a very very rare player that from the midfield kicks consistent goals, and they are also players that are ripe 
for a tag. I don't know if I see that upside, but I still think 90 is a reasonable target, and that makes her, you know, still a possibility as, you know, a dominant player by 20 points. Yeah, I think something that she did last year was she came out of the blocks very, very slow, and it meant that it's pulled her average down, but she definitely went well over 90 in the back half of the season. It was boosted by goals, and as we learnt from Emma Carney on the uh, North Melbourne episode, they're definitely not looking to be scoring from their midfield. They went their forwards being the ones that deliver the goals because that's going to be a more reliable way of scoring against those top teams. But, I mean, they had their match sim against Collingwood a couple weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure it was Ghana two goals, Riddell one goal, and uh, potentially was it Carney or uh, Gavalis, I think it might have been in that I game. I think it was Gavalis. Yeah, it was just all midfielders. So they're very consistent in, in scoring, and I, I'm not too concerned that they're not going to be doing it again. It's just it's just an asterisk. I'm not going red flags today. They're asterisks. <laughs> yeah, I agree with what you said earlier, that if you don't get her now, you might not be able to afford her. She kind of has that Bowers essence about her in that Bowers is, you know, leaps and bounds above the other mids and Garner's leaps and bounds above the other forwards. So I'm going to be starting her purely because I don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. Are you also going to be starting your second in the list, Tyler Hanks? Yeah, so... <laughs> The Hanks, O'Sullivan and Phillips we've got, or I've got, as two, three and four here. I think they're all really good and this order might be up for debate. But starting with Hanks, I had her from the whole of season six, I believe, in my team. She was listed as a forward, but playing that mid-forward role, which is just exactly what you look for in your elite forwards. Even watching her in the preseason against Carlton, she predominantly played in the mid, which is promising going into this next season that she'll have a very similar role that she did last season and therefore be able to get as many fantastic points. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Hanks. She's one of the players that I'm trying to figure out how to fit in my side and I haven't quite been able to figure out how to do it yet. Um, I think we're very fortunate that she's kept forward status because it was really only a few games towards the end of the season that she was playing anywhere but the midfield. And that's that's really helped us uh, this season because in that preseason game, herself and Eliza West were the two starting mids for Melbourne in the first half. Once the game was over, there were a few more rotating through there. But definitely to start with, Hanks and West were just getting every clearance, every touch they could possibly could. And yeah, it was very, very exciting footy to watch. So... I don't know. I could start. I could see starting with Hanks if it wasn't for Ghana, but yeah, um, it's it's a tough decision for sure. Uh, probably, probably a little bit too difficult to pick because I think you'd probably be picking Hanks as a stepping stone to Ghana and hope that they could converge and you could hit twin, you know, the peak of high Hanks and the trough of Ghana to be able to upgrade. Because I otherwise think Ghana's going to be too expensive. I just think that there are not enough forwards that sit the midway between them. I just I think Tyler Hanks is a great player. Melbourne has an absurd number of mouths to feed, and that kind of showed in her inconsistent scoring in the back end of last year. Even though she was still getting, you know, sixty to seventy percent CBAs, I'm just, I'm not as bullish. I think if there wasn't Ghana, she would be F1 because she's a fantastic player, great to watch, proven that she can get fantastic scores, really high, and was a must-have in season six. But with the presence of Ghana, it does kind of make it a little bit trickier to fit her in because you're probably going to be spending that money on Ghana. Well, that's true. But is there a reason why you can't fit both on your side? Yes. There are like 74 forwards that I want in my side, Jono. I'm sorry that Tyler <laughs> Hanks doesn't make it into the top five. 
I, I can very much see Hanks pushing Ravage up again. That there is a flag, as you say, on the amount of midfielders that can run through at Melbourne, because on top of Hanks and West, you had like seven people run through there, which is is a little bit too many to be comfortable, particularly when you know. I think we're all pretty comfortable that they're going to make finals again. We had the the captains of the eighteen clubs come out and say who they see making finals this year. The the unanimous one was Melbourne. They're looking very very strong. So towards the end of the season, they might have a guaranteed finals place. They might start looking to try some things out for finals, and that's that's probably going to put Hanks at a bit of risk there. But geez, I just she had two first quarter goals. You know, <laughs> like it's oh, you don't see that from many players. Yeah, but Jono, it's Carlton. Don't forget, it's Carlton. Yeah, but there's probably like five teams in the league I know, who are going to do I worse know. than Carlton this year. But the, like the, <laughs> Yours and mine included. Yeah, I know. The, the, I think the problem there is that towards the back end of last year, against some really good sides, Hanks in North Melbourne against uh, against North Melbourne round eight goes 39. Against Brisbane in the prelim goes 48. And then Adelaide in the grand final only goes 49 because they weren't prioritising her as much in the midfield. That is a... Red flag alert. You can't afford to be trying to play an elite, kind of elite in a line who can who can score below 50 two games in a row. Someone I'm probably more personally passionate about, but I have ranked at third place on the list, is O'Sullivan. So she plays for Frio, which helps. She didn't fall below 64 as her score in the home and away season in season six, which was amazing. She's got, again, very high ceilings. She's shown she can get those a few times. The only reason she's kind of dipped down a little bit for me is because of some of the uncertainty going around with the whole Bowers-Miller situation and how well Frio will be performing this year. She did show that in the preseason game that in both of their absence, she was really stepping up. And when they're both not there, she is a phenomenal player. But as they either one or both return as the season starts, I think it might be a little bit of cannibalism on her potential scoring. Yeah, she's definitely the third in there. Very strong player. Was a, a very good addition to that midfield last year. I don't think they're necessarily going to be taking her out of there without cause. The problem that I see is that they potentially do have cause because both of the Antonios have gone down. That's a lot of experience in their forward line between Carr and Ebony that they're going to be missing there. And... I mean, O'Sullivan's played there for the majority of her career. I think she had 32 games there before she split into the midfield. If they need someone up there to give a bit more leadership and kicks and goals, that, that could be one that they turn to. I'm, I'm completely on board. I think the big stark difference you see is when she had 55 CBAs, 55% CBA, she scores a 70. Totally fine. You know, that still puts you top five in the line. When she had 100% CBAs against North Melbourne in round five last year, she goes 97, and then she follows it up the week after with 95. That tells me that her ceiling as a midfielder is nearly 100, but then the problem that she's got is she's not a full-time mid, and there is at least two causes for concern. She's probably back down to 65-70, which is tough to start with. I'm going to give you a hypothetical here. We know that both Bowers and Miller have been missing because of injury or, you know, yeah, H&S. Oh, H&S. Yeah. <laughs> with Miller in particular, I'm a little bit worried with a calf injury that she might miss round one. If Miller wasn't named, would you pick her? No. It's a 10. It's a, like if it was round 10 and I had to bring someone in and Miller wasn't playing, yes, this would be a great pick. 
But for round one, for a full season, where, as we all know, like you don't start trading at your premiums until things are dire, I would not pick O'Sullivan just because you couldn't lock in that value increase. You wouldn't want to be trading her at. The players you're picking at the top of your line, you want to stay there. Yeah, it's a lot of money to be playing around with. Like a one-week a one week strategy like that, potentially more, but really a one-week strategy with a significant, like, you know, 10% of your salary cap is too risky for me. Fair enough. How about Aaron Phillips, your number four on the list? Yes. Starting at a new club, Port Adelaide, captain of the club. Is she in for a big first season there? She absolutely is. And to your question before about why can't I have both Jazz Garner and Hanks in my team, it's because I'm going to have Jazz Garner and Aaron Phillips. <laughs> and Ooh, that is very expensive. We spent a lot of time in the Port Adelaide episode debating about where Phillips would be playing. Is she going to be able to play mid? Is she going to play forward? Is she going to play 50-50? And Liam was very happy to announce that he was correct in that she is going to play half mid, half forward. Uh, as we saw from the preseason game. So I mentioned that now, Liam, and you don't need to bring it up again. You're going to deny me the opportunity <laughs> of smugness? How dare you? That's outrageous. Yes. <laughs> don't worry. I'm, don't um, worry. I'll bring it in every other bit of this episode to make up for it. Yeah, so she's she's obviously an elite player. Like, no one is questioning that. The added benefit of her being in a new team, well, it could be a benefit or it could be a downside as maybe they're a little bit less structured and so she needs to go into the forward a bit more. Or maybe she gets to be the number one player in that team, kind of like an Emma Swanson at West Coast, where she just racks up all of the points and takes them all. I'm not too sure, but I think there's very exciting things to come with Erin Phillips, regardless. Mel, are you concerned that she is the number one tag target on a team with basically no one else to tag? Potentially, but I'm not too sure if anyone's really going to be seeing Port as a threat. Yeah, I... I kind of agree with that, particularly because she was tagged for a lot of last season when she was at the Crows. If anything, moving out of that premiership winning team and moving down to a team that, you know, is realistically not going to be as good, it could be a way of of getting the tag off her, opening up that ceiling a little bit more. Like, I get you. I I get you. you. We don't think Port Adelaide's going to win a large number of games, but why run the risk of them, you, you know, you being other coach from other 17 club? being the team that loses to an expansion side when your option is very simple. You run with role with a clear, most impactful player. And I think the same flag exists for Matty Prespargas for the Dons. Like, elite user of the ball can get anywhere. But I think, like, with Aaron Phillips, that's an even bigger thing because she's also a name brand and that brings with it a bit of pride associated with being able to shut her down. I think with... Adelaide, it's actually a little different. She wasn't the main tag target all the time because people know Erity Marinoff is a freak and Anne Hatchard led the league in marks. So it's not like she was giving all these extra opportunities as a result. These were like known quantities uh, and she's just not as good at scoring as she once was. Another flag I have on Erin Phillips is that she spent a lot of the off-season recovering from surgery that she'd had following the grand final. So I'm just wondering, is that going to impact her preparation a little bit? She was one of the only players that played the full practice match, and I think they did that because they wanted her to get the run into her legs. Ah, uh, as opposed to being the fittest player that they just wanted to... Well, yeah, the, the, the first six players that they ended up resting at half time. that's because they know they're superstars, give them a run, show them what they're doing, and then don't, don't risk them for round one. But with Aaron Phillips, mm. you're taking, you know, this, this is your prized player, and they've given her a full game which to me suggests, you know, it could be for the captaincy. You know, they want that leadership out there. 
It could also just be that they need the run in their legs and it might be a slow start to the season. It could be for the captaincy, in which case they would want to keep her on the field the entire Mm. time of every game to be that leadership person. And if she's on the field, she's probably going to be touching the ball. I think... I think the, her ceiling is Emma Swanson from last year. But I think the thing that Emma Swanson did last year that I don't think Phillips is going to do is Swanson was taking the first mark in the back pocket from kick-ins and then taking like you know three or four more possessions as West Coast made it to their half-forward line and then gave it back to the opposition. I just don't know if Erin Phillips gets back that far when she spends more time forward. I do like the idea of just West Coast passing it up forward to give it to the opposition. That That is a fair summary of their season last year. Jono, I owned Emma Swanson last year. We all did. We were all watching West Coast games. We all and watched tell it. me it I'm a... wrong. Tell me that's not the no, way I'm, that they I'm play. I'm disagreeing with you. <laughs> the last player, the last player that you've got in your list here, yes. Mel, just to keep us moving forward, is Kate Hoare, which I really love as a pick because it's a little bit speculative. She wasn't the fifth highest, fifth most expensive player on the field, which... I mean, on the other lines, let's be real. We haven't taken too many risks there, but this one Mm. is much, much cheaper. So walk me through why you've got Kate Hoare here. Yeah, I mean, like average-wise, just to lay it out, we've kind of skipped over Ebony Antonio, so injured, fair, Sarah Rowe, Greta Bodie, and gone all the way down to Kate Hoare for this one. But we spoke a little bit about the dynamics at Melbourne before, but I think that she can benefit from this because she plays really well with Hanks, who I think is probably number two. So I can see the two of them in the midfield together, racking up the points between them. We saw that happen in season six and it looked to happen again in the preseason game. So I'm hopeful there. I think that she can, she's still high enough to be a premium pick, but she has a very high ceiling. She's only, her average was 57. So if she can increase that to say, even just like a Hanks at 77, she's going to make you a lot of money. And I think it's a risk worth taking. Jono, I'm sure you've got some more strategic gameplay information to add to that rather than just, I think she looks good. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I thought she looked fantastic as well. She kicked a bunch of goals. She just looked very, very fast compared to the Melbourne team and puts herself in good spots. Yeah, I I can see Melbourne kicking a lot of goals this year. I I cannot stress just how high scoring that preseason game was. You don't often see the women's teams getting over 80 points. That's a very rare... Rare air to be in, so I'm excited. Unless, unless it's um, unless it's against Fremantle last season, and and that was Melbourne as well. I don't know if Mel watched that game, <laughs> or, or more importantly, so if Mel remembers it deliberately, is it just wiped it from her memory? <laughs> Gone. So what about the no, 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 I want to talk about I want to talk about Kate Hall because I want I would like to think that I was the person that watched the game that Kate Hall, one game basically that Kate Hall played in the midfield last year. And she looked like the second best midfielder at Melbourne, maybe. Like she looked incredible at the stoppage. She built like a midfielder. She moves at a really good space. She tackles well. She does all the things that she would want. I almost think that her problem is she kicks goals too well and that they will keep her in the Mm. forward line, particularly if they lose or start to have to rest um, Daisy Pierce. But Kate Hoare looked great in the practice match by all accounts, potentially had some midfield minutes as well. And even then, her scoring last season when she looked good still dropped about eight points below her average from the season prior. 
I still anticipate that she'll be able to get back up to that 64 range, 65 range, which she was last year. And with midfield time, I think she's an excellent player and right for the picking. Yeah, she certainly had that midfield time and it was early as well, which is always a good indicator in a practice game. I think my concern would only be that there's a lot of players running through that Melbourne midfield. They've got a lot of talent and she does have the most impact up forward of any player on their list outside of maybe Taylor Harris. So it's a it's a hard one to know her role, but I think, yeah, as you say, the opportunity is there. I think jumping on the people that were close to this list but missed out, one that's very, very similar that I'd love to talk about is Chloe Malloy. Because I'm not sure how much of the Sydney Collingwood game you guys caught, but with the two Collingwood main midfielders out, Chloe Malloy played 100% midfield minutes and looked very, very good. I think she would have had you know, a dozen clearances uh, and, and was just uh, very, very quick and explosive out of that stoppage. That's an interesting pick because she's a fair scroll down on the forwards list. Yes. So she's yeah. going to be fairly cheap. Yes, but that's because she, she can go in between scores of 73, 70 and 80. She can pull out a 38 and a 23, which she plays as a full-time forward in a side that at that point in the season wasn't scoring particularly many goals. Guaranteed full midfield time, Chloe Malloy, again, looks like an incredibly dynamic midfielder and has a very good fantasy game in that she just has a tenacity for the stoppage. Do we think that she stays in the midfield all season or is that magnetism up forward too strong? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question because last season when we were talking with Will about some of the Collingwood team and then their players, we'd heard that Chloe Malloy was going to be spending last season up forward, but then due to, I suppose, an injury, she ended up starting the season up forward and, and moved into the midfield quite late and she looked fantastic. Having spoken to, to Ruby earlier this season, we didn't get the indication that Chloe was going to play midfield time, which makes me think maybe her impact up forward is a little bit too much, which is a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a you know Rob Peter to pay Paul type situation. Mm. You could probably repurpose a winger or another midfielder at Collingwood into that third mid. I just don't know if you can find someone who has Chloe Malloy's impact up forward, even though she does look very good as a midfielder, has can score, easily score 70s and 80s, which would put her you know, 20 points unders at a conservative minimum, what she's currently priced at. So, you know, who knows? If you want to take a risk, if you want to win your league or you want to win your, you know, get in the top 10, Chloe Malloy could be the player you do it on the back of. Yeah, I think she could be either a very lucky deliberate or a totally accidental awesome pick because of her spikes the fact that she can range from like 20 to 80 if you were to bring her in and it happened to be you know you've got her cheap and it happened to be an 80 week that could be a game changer but it's very inconsistent i do get excited when i see players with such high and low spikes but you'd have to time it well and it looks i'm not skilled enough to look at this stats list and know why she got good and got bad yeah, it's, it's a tough one for sure. One that I was a little bit interested on, Mel, is Ash McCarthy, one player that you've been looking at a little bit from the West Coast Eagles. She's an interesting one because her average coming in is 38, but she's priced at about 57. So she's up there with the almost premiums. She Her average was very low because she didn't really play a lot of last season. And so with the whole kind of discounting rules, whatever, it ended up like that. When she's playing her best, though, she has a ceiling over 100. And 
she is not someone that I was particularly considering until I saw the practice game. And her name was thrown around heaps, up there with Swanson and Lewis as some of the best players for West Coast. And it made me think, hmm, I wonder if there's something we can do with this kind of anomaly of having a very low average. She is one to potentially come in, get a very low break even early and generate heaps of money. What do you guys think? Is this a silly idea? No, I'm actually really on board with this one. I can see her pushing the top five quite closely. Her average last season was heavily impacted. I'm pretty sure she broke her hand and ended up on a four Mm. at one point, which was an absolute killer because she was in Will's fantasy team at the time. And that's probably the difference between him winning a hat and not. So very upsetting for him. That's probably why he poo-pooed my idea. I think that that (laughs) might also be the third thing that's happened to Will's team, which was the reason why he didn't make it. I think the other one might have also been West Coast related that we've talked about, which was Emma Swanson. (laughs) He's an unlucky guy. What can I say? This is true. But yeah, look, I think she played very, very well in the practice match. Uh, Very strong tackler, which is obviously going to be good for the wet weather. So uh, I'm not against anyone picking this particular player. So Ash McCarthy, where does she fit inside the midfield at West Coast? Like if you're going to tell me who's your top three picks for CBAs, where does she rank or is she fourth? I would probably put her in the top two. After Swanson, I think it would go McCarthy. Then it would be Bella Lewis and who's the I would probably have, Dana I, Hooker I, there. I, yeah, yeah. I would have I would have put Dana Hooker too, and then yeah. it's a battle I of the s- frustrating West Coast mid forwards in Lewis and McCarthy. I can see why Hooker might be above, but I think because she's still coming back from that foot injury. Which for those who haven't listened to the West Coast pod. What a freak accident that was. She dropped a knife whilst in her kitchen into her foot. Like, the unluckiest of things to have happened. But anyway, I, I think if you're coming back from injury, you're probably not going to be in running through the midfield constantly. You're going to have a little bit of a lead in time, particularly since they've got a little bit of depth there at the moment. So there is a lot of players running through the West Coast midfield. So even being a top two, I don't know if it's going to be enough because you know, you've got players like Hayley Bullis who are improving you're just going to have quite a few running through there. But top two, I think at the very least, is a chance to go above 60, and that could be what you need to be a top five forward. Yeah, I've got to say with her, she's one I'm really excited to see go up. I probably wouldn't bring her into my team myself, but I just think she's got a great potential this season. One that you've been looking at, Liam, is Greta Bodie from the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, I think, as I say look at, I think Greta Bodie perfectly fits, in my mind, the round six and onward upgrade target because she is a very consistent player. I believe she led the competition on marks on the lead last season at Brisbane. So in my mind, she is the kind of ideal player to bring in, kind of averaging about 60 to bring in at your F4, F5 as an upgrade target. Now, she doesn't get a particularly large number of CBAs, but she is also very consistent. Scores rarely kind of dip into that dangerous, like below 45 level for a forward. But I also just don't think there's much upside there for her. I think she was very stiff to miss out on All-Australian selection last year. And I'm oh, hoping... She's excellent. Yeah, excellent player. She could be coming back with a bit of a vengeance just to try and prove herself there, which is my, my hopes. She looked really, really good in the practice game against the Saints, but... Yeah, I think upgrade target's probably fair. Fair call. 
like I think if if you were to say who of all of these players that we've talked about is most likely to hit exactly the same average again, it's Greta Bodie. All right, I think we probably need to get on to our next section. So for the last few players here that are close, but not quite there, I'm just going to need a very, very short 10 words or less, yes or no, what are we doing on these guys? So Liam, I'm going to start with you. Bonnie Toogood at the Bombers. Yes, if she switches to an intercept defender when the Bombers are losing. Which is a fascinating watch. I can't wait for round one to see that happen. Mel, Gemma Houghton at the Port Adelaide Power. Maybe. Maybe's not an answer. I'm going to need a yes or no here, Mel. <laughs> you said no. You you said ten words or less. She did technically give you ten words or less. She did. She Katie did. Won. <laughs> no. Because the points will go to Phillips. Ooh, I like that pick. I like that Ooh. pick. Liam, I'm going to throw it back to you for your one of your favourites from last season, KB Katie Brennan at the Richmond Tigers. No, because they have no other people to kick goals. Mel, Claudia Whitford at the Gold Coast Suns. No, because I'm cautious of role rotation at the Gold Coast Suns. Great, great. And last but not least, Sophie Conway from the Brisbane Lions. Liam. Uh, no, upgrade target only for consistency. Great. Yeah, don't, don't disagree with any of those assessments, to be honest. That's the first time we've said that. <laughs> It's all, it, this is brutal season right now. Yeah, it's, we're getting... You we're know, you've got to be tough. Yeah, the value in the forward lines is there, so if it's not true value, <sighs> yeah. we're saying no. I love it. Yeah, gosh. But I think this is potentially going to be our most exciting face-off for the mid-prices. We have three players here, all of which I can see fitting in our teams, and I'm very excited for us to get into why we've picked them. Today, I think we're going to change up the order a little bit. Mel, do you want to lead us off with your forward choice. So Ellie McKenzie is priced at 39. So definitely they're in the mid-price madness range. She didn't finish season six due to injury, but she averaged over about 65 in season five. So that's making me really hopeful that if she comes back for a season, she can pretty much increase her score from 39-ish to at least 65. I think she could even go higher than that because she's in Richmond, which I've mentioned a few times, I think is a real strength uh, coming into this season. She is a great stoppage player and she can get the ball out of the stoppage and to Conti so they can kind of tag team between the two of them. She was attending CBAs at the practice game. She was a favourite of the commentators, shouting out her name lots and lots as one of the best players at Richmond. Yeah, I think she has the potential season Seven might be her breakout year where she moves up from that mid-price madness into being a premium. And I want to be on that ride. Uh, yeah, no, those are some really great reasons. It's almost like I wanted to talk about Ellie McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, she just she is a very well-built midfielder who looks excellent. And there were just a few moments on the wing against Hawthorne where she was just making a mockery of the Hawthorne defender that was trying to corral her, just like faking him out. Looked really good on the turn. Has a, and for those of you who played uh, preseason bingo, she's a classy left footer. But actually, <laughs> like not a mean classy left footer. Actually, looks like she has a beautiful, beautiful kick. And by all accounts, she will be one of the biggest improvers at Richmond last year. She has an absurd amount of potential, having finished second in the Richmond Best and Fairest in her first season. 
last season was injury affected. I see her as like in terms of the players that I brought into my team at the beginning when the game opened, she was in top three. Wow, these are these are good points. I'm gonna try and be the devil's advocate here because geez, it is very, very, very tough to try and find reasons not to bring Aaron and Mackenzie into your team. But first thing here is that you've now got four players in that Richmond midfield, all of whom I think we're all pretty hot on. We pitched Grace Egan, we pitched Sarah Hosking, and we've now pitched Ellie McKenzie. Surely they can't all get points. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's a no, it's a good point. I just I I think Sarah Hosking is the one to lose. This is why I'm hot on Egan and McKenzie. But I also know that uh, that's just one poor man's view. Like, yes, it is a reasonable expectation that or not all of them will be able to get points. But I think there's a possibility that the floor won't be too low because I, I, I believe that Richmond will improve this season. When we were talking about the midfielders in the, that episode, their price tag that we were talking about them coming in at was a lot higher than 39. We were hoping that someone like a... Grace Egan, priced at 54, Sarah Hosking, priced at 56, would be going up into that 70 range. I'm talking about Ellen McKenzie being priced at 39, possibly moving up into that 60 slot. So I think both of those things can happen at the same time. You've got those midfielders we spoke about going up a league. You've got Conti going up a league into the Uber premium mids. And then you've got the Ellie McKenzie going up into what we would probably call a premium defender. Yeah, it's it's very strange talking about Richmond like they're a fantasy relevant team. <laughs> it doesn't look like it can go wrong. It doesn't look like it can go wrong. Look, I'm gonna throw to you next, Liam. You've you've been stolen from there with Ellie McKenzie, but you've picked you've you've got a very, very good consolation prize here. Yeah, so Brooke Lachlan will play midfield at Sydney. And that's sounds like a great thing. Now, if you'd asked me pre the interview with Brenna Tarrant and then pre seeing the practice game, I was not hot on Brooke Lachlan at at all. I thought that outside wingers and winger half-forward types, not particularly fantasy relevant, and she kind of looked a bit avo as a fantasy player at Western Bulldogs. She's now come across to Sydney and she's playing near full-time as a midfielder, but rotating interior mid and on the wing on a midfield that is bereft of experienced bodies and leaders. That, to me, sounds like a perfect combination to really drive up her average. She will have, by far and away, the best job consistency in the entirety of Sydney, I would say. She's probably not going to be the player who has their role flicked around the most. And she has shown an ability in the past to be able to score goals. Not to say they're going to put her forward, more that she knows a way around a set-shot kick and can really use that to bump up her scores. I think Brooke Lachlan in that mid-price madness bracket definitely ranked below Ellie McKenzie in my mind, but still entirely worth bringing into your team. Interesting you say she's ranked below Ellie McKenzie because she's priced at a couple points above Ellie McKenzie. What do you think she would be able to get to? I think Brooke Lachlan... Well, this is, this is kind of much harder to guess for a side like Sydney where we really don't know what their game style is going to be like from a fantasy relevance perspective. I think she could get up to 55, 56, which for me is still up. Obviously, it's still upside. Is it enough upside so that I'm as hot on her as I am on Ellie McKenzie? No, not at all. But I still think she's definitely worthwhile bringing in, particularly if that is more of an inside midfield bent than a wing bent to her playing time. 
Yeah, look, I can see it. I, I thought she looked fantastic on the weekend. When we talk about the lack of experience that they have inside, like we, when we are talking through the Sydney podcast, were saying, yep, there's, there's not a lot of uh, experienced players going through there, but we were assuming that Lisa Steen was going to go through there. And Steen played almost 100% off the half-forward line. So they're relying on some very good players in there who we might get to a little bit later, just an FYI, but players that don't have that AFLW background. So I think Lachlan, Lachlan is, a, is a pretty good lock, and she was also doing a lot of tackling for them, which, you know, always, always good to have those numbers. Is she in your starting side? She is not. I'm trying to fit her in. It's very, very hard, but the thing is, as good as Brooke Lachlan is, as good as Ellie McKenzie is, you, you two are missing out on the best the best mid-price value Tell here. And I hate that I'm giving away this they're, secret. They're both in my side anyway. But Abby, Abby Mackay. Abby Mackay, I think, is our forward that's going to go 20 to 30 points above her average. And that's starting at a price of 48. That's a big so goal, she's the most she's the most expensive of them all. But I think she's actually a chance for the top five, which I'm very excited for. For those who watched the Carlton Melbourne game at home, Abby Mackay started in every centre bounce that Carlton had, and it was probably hard to pick her out because she and Mimi Hill could be twins. They're, they're, there's enough twins in the AFLW, but this is another pairing that's that's long lost. We didn't know about it, but it's, it's definitely and, real. And that's because she looks different also to Keely Shearer, who runs through the midfield at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at Carlton. They're all like medium-sized yeah. midfielders with blonde hair. Yeah, it, it can be a bit of a challenge, but... Abby Mackay was definitely the one getting all over the ground. Probably the only one really putting up a big fight against the Ds, which uh, was exciting to see. I think she's going to start in the midfield this season. I think between her and Mimi Hill, they're going to be the two the two big dogs there that are going to, I suppose, be the, the pillars that everyone else rotates around. She's only 21, but is coming into her fourth season at the level, so not inexperienced by any means. And... When we talk about growth, started with an average of 25, then 39, then 48. And this is all off the half-forward line. This is her first season playing proper midfield minutes. And it's because the Carlton midfield has just been slowly depleted over the seasons. And towards the end of last year, she was nursing a bit of an injury. So she didn't wasn't one of the ones to make a step in there. But she looks very, very fit, very much entrenched in that role. I don't see anyone at Carlton taking those minutes off her. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'm actually hot that she can average over or around the 70 mark at the very least. Look, you've, you are very hot. You're very bullish on uh, Abby Mackay. I am similarly kind of expecting a big bump. Maybe I'm not up at the 70 level. Maybe an average of 65, given her higher score up to now, is a score of 68. So what you're saying is her average will be higher than her highest score ever. But... I, yeah, I am saying that. I'm very uh, look, confident look, saying I just, it too. I just wanted to reiterate it for those who are listening in. Jono is real hot, like almost some might say too hot. But I think Abby Mackay, with Maddie Prasparkas gone and the fact that they weren't exactly picking Maddie Guerin last year for every single game, that was also slightly injury affected. I think she sits as a player who's going to get that third, fourth year in the game bump. She looks like she's going to be starting at every CBA. I think the only red flag here is that Carlton are looking like they will struggle this year, just based off practice match and also off the amount of talent that they've lost, particularly in their mid-wing and half-forward lines. I think they'll really struggle 
to be able to stop teams being able to just move the ball straight through Carlton's midfield. But I think that adding Mackay with consistent CBA's average 62, 63, which given what she's priced at, is probably still enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue on the, the Carlton's you know, expected efforts this year, but yeah, I, I think you, you generally have you know, a couple players that are doing pretty, pretty strongly on the fantasy side, and I think she's going to be one of the two. So excited to see it. There are a few honorable mentions for this as well that we're going to miss out on. We might just get quickly through them now. The first couple that I wanted to mention are actually the reason that they weren't selected by any of us, I think, is because they were ruled out by injury, unfortunately. So Ellie Gavalis was one that I was very strongly looking at, but unfortunately she suffered a concussion on the weekend. I think I've said it before on the episodes, I'm not a fan of taking players after a concussion. Uh, Ellie Bennett's at the Bulldogs did a shoulder injury. We're not quite sure the extent of it yet, but... Uh, I wouldn't say that she's likely for round one. And Cara Antonio at Fremantle uh, potentially was looking at increasing some of those forward men's given the injuries they've had around there, but she's also one of them. So she's going to be out for the next uh, eight weeks or so. But Mel, I might throw to you, what did you think of Kate Sermon's efforts on the weekend at Port Adelaide? She was one that I think was also pretty hot for this this mid-price option. Yeah, she did look really good. And I guess the risk of taking... A forward at an expansion club is it's it's very reliant on them actually getting any goals and getting it up towards there. I guess she has a bit more potential after coming from Gold Coast, but priced at eighty one grand, I just don't know how you might fit her in. Even though she'll be definitely one I'll be watching. She's a classy player, and I was happy to see that Arnell coach was uh, calling her out as a as a terrific game on the weekend. But it's tough when you're on the outside, so not too hot there. Liam Nicholas Stevens at the Saints. We were talking after that match, and she was getting a few midfield minutes. Yeah, so in the second half, Kate Stevens is getting midfield minutes. Tani White talked about Nicholas the Stevens. Fact. Pardon? Ah, yes, Nicholas Stevens. Kate. Yeah, Kate Stevens, my sister. That's a. That would be yes. That's, <laughs> that's very a close helpful. one, but not quite. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Stevens was getting some midfield minutes uh, towards the back end of this and killed the Brisbane game, which is good. She's come straight across from Carlton and has made her way into the midfield group. I think she's just one to sit there with a bit of an asterisk. If there's any injuries or reshuffles in the midfield, she could be someone that could go in there and boost up her average. She's clearly trusted in the club very, very quickly and has shown the ability to kick goals as well. Um, just before you throw away from me, Jono, there's one name that didn't go on this list that I want to talk about, and that's the other potential midfielder to own at Carlton, who's also listed a forward in Maddie Guerin. She missed a bunch of games last year and then had a bunch of games where she was below 50% CBAs. Carlton have talked about the fact that she's had the hottest mid, uh, hottest preseason of any midfielder. Coming into her third season, she looks like someone who could pop. Just another one to watch. She's not too expensive at the moment. Probably not someone you need to own at the beginning of the season. But if you see that scoring boost, you know that she fits that flavor profile you want of forwards who go and become permanent midfielders who can really get a boost. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm pretty hot on Maddie Guerin. I think she did she did rotate through there. She was one of probably only four or five Carlton players that rotated through the midfield, which is is promising for that security. She is priced a little bit more expensive than Abby Mackay even. I think she's starting at fifty three. So. One you'd potentially say is a bit expensive, but I'm I'm not against it. I think she's going to go up a little bit in value, so not a, not a bad call out there. The last one that I might mention is Tate Mackerel, playing at the GWS Giants, was a really interesting one to see because she played 
midfield for the majority of the match, which is a little bit unexpected for you know the half-board role she'd played previously. Personally, with Beck Beeson missing that match, I wouldn't trust that it will continue. But look, very, very good player. I think when you get tackled by Tate Mackerel, you're going to feel it. And that's that's a bulldozer they might want through there. So one one that I'm keen to watch this season because I'm, I'm looking forward to see GWS's new game style and how that plays out. So just, just one to watch in the early rounds, I would say. And I think the thing you can add to that there is that GWS has flagged that Hanin's Rika is not going to be playing any midfield this year. She's going to be playing permanently as a forward, which means that there's probably an extra position from the half-forward line that floats into the stoppage, which is the kind of role that she was um, Sarika was playing last year. So just one to watch out for. There'll probably be an extra spot in and around the contest, even not necessarily at CBAs. Look, I think this is a, a good segue here to just jump into some of the rookies because... Again, we are blessed with so many good forward rookies. I'm, I'm so impressed by this line. It just delivers value everywhere. We might start with one that has come from quite a long way to, to get into our teams, and that is Vicky Wall from Ireland. Yep, you've been speaking about her a lot. We have been. The Irish recruit only just landed uh, in Australia about a week before the practice match. Hadn't played a single game of footy in her life. Fresh off a premiership with uh, Mead in the, the Gaelic form of the game. But my goodness, was she electric in that game. She is a very, very strong, powerful player. I think her, one of her earliest touches in the game was setting up North Melbourne's first goal. So definitely got the skills for it. Picked it up very quickly, getting in good positions. I think given her, I suppose, inexperience with the game, it would feel a little bit risky to start the team with her. But as a bench option, I see this as one who, in a few years, she might be one of the best players going around. And as the season goes on, she's going to warm up and and turn into a very, very strong player. And then, bam, Liam's back to red flags. Vicky Wall's job security is the big reason why I'm concerned. She's just come off a full season of Gaelic footy. She's not got a massive amount of experience with the game. Could be someone that has a quiet game because they get locked down by defender, goes out for a few weeks. You really want to be picking, particularly this season, forwards in every line who are rookies, or kind of every line, you want rookies with good job security. There are a whole bunch that will be running around the ground with CBAs. That's my big flag with Vicky Wall. Even though I have watched the highlights, she is just an elite potential player. Yeah, I see what you mean. There's definitely there's definitely some concerns there, but North is a team that lost quite a few people in the off season. And also with Eli Gavalas going down with that concussion, I know she'll be back soon, but I can see them wanting to run a few people through there. Katie Ashmore was a terrific offensive winger, and she could potentially push up there. Uh, Taylor Gatt's probably the first option they'll go with, but just just someone to consider. Mm. Are you saying that she's kind of got both green and red flags, probably a bit more red flags? Yes. Yeah, she sounds a bit like a Portugal flag to me. <laughs> no. Flag chat has Almost arrived. Almost equal, but a little bit more than red. <laughs> A little bit delayed from last week, but <laughs> we're getting there eventually. We're talking about superstars. There's been no, no prominent red flags until now. Oh, but that's because I was using no, asterisks until now. But then, bam, the red flags are back, and then immediately flag chat has reappeared. Yeah, Liam's, Liam's been doing his best to hold off, but no, the flag chat cannot be stopped. Stay tuned. What flag will I mention tomorrow? <laughs> Uh, moving on to another game that started around a very similar time, the Western Bulldogs GWS game. 
I was really impressed, and there's probably five or six rookies here worth discussing. Mm. The one that I currently have in my team of the of the lot is Riley Wilcox. With Ellie Bennett's going down to that shoulder injury, Riley Wilcox did get that wing time that we'd sort of predicted on the pod. And wow, she looked really, really good. She's tiny. I did not realize how small she was. But she tackled, she took marks. She probably had about 15, 17 touches. Very, very impressive effort from a from a winger. The Bulldogs play a very chipmark game. And, and yeah, she was getting involved. I'm a big fan. Yeah, look, any any player that's a small forward that can get time on the wing, their you know, job security... Could, if their job security is good, then yeah, hundred percent. She should be look, someone you should be looking at. Another one was Gabby Newton. We'd sort of flagged her for that wing role as well as the other option for it if, that the Bulldogs might go for. But I think Gabby Newton is probably going to fill the hole up forward left by Bonnie Toogood. She was the focus point of that forward line, and I think there were probably ten times that she was the target inside fifty. She's going to have a very good defender playing on her every week. Mm. but looked very, very good and is almost certain to go up from that starting price. So you see her like, being a real forward and kicking goals? I think so, yeah. She, I don't think she, she kicked one on the weekend, but she definitely was presenting well. She was the one pushing up the ground a little bit more, and I think Nell, Morris Dalton, and Rochelle Cranston were playing the deep forwards, so yeah. I like someone that's pushing up and, and getting amongst the, the marks. Mm. How do you feel about having a forward-forward rookie as someone that you bring in for value though i think if this was any other season i would be totally fine with it it's just that we have such good value all around the ground so i think the best thing about gabby newton is the job security Mm -hmm. she is almost certain to be in that side because she's very experienced a very good player and coming in at such a cheap price if you're looking for a conservative safe forward pick this is one that i would look for i'm potentially looking elsewhere just on the value that I think we might have. Yeah, she could be a good consistent downgrade target. I think, I think if we, yeah, like you said, any other season, i.e. last season when we all picked Dara Bahana, very similar type of thing, kind of locked into a position, high-ish, centre-half forward, can get you that 40-45, which is enough to be worthwhile as your F5 or F6. I just don't know if this year when we have so many bargain basement priced forwards, defenders and midfielders who get CBAs in midfield time I just don't think it's worth it One that's a forward that you had been pretty hot on before the practice games Liam was Zali Goldsworthy who played forward at GWS Yeah, Zali Goldsworthy was someone that I was definitely looking at She comes in at a relatively high draft pick and had some good scoring pedigree in the 70s and 80s as a junior I think the flag now is the fact that she went down with an injury inside the first half and then didn't really make an impact after that. So unfortunately, she's probably not going to be in my rounds one side, which, you know, probably there's a good reason. Like, it's probably better for my side that she's not in there. It means I can bring in another bargain basement player and upgrade elsewhere. But if she does come back later in the season, it's probably a downgrade target for all coaches because she looks like she has an explosive game style, has shown the ability to kick goals. She's definitely one that uh, GWS will look to to leverage throughout the year. Yeah, she's very, very quick. I, I just worry about small forwards in a, in a you know, middle-of-the-table team. 
She's she has played midfield minutes though, and I just don't see there being enough of a reason to for GWS, who's a mid-table side, not to try and get experience into a mid-forward rookie who was their highest draft pick. So I definitely have. I believe that she'll play midfield minutes at some point this year. I just don't know if she's going to play round one, let alone play in the midfield. Okay, interesting. One to one to watch then for that that round one selection table. Uh, we had three players at the GWS who fitted into that backline. They've had a lot of departures from their backline. Some going to expansion clubs and some just going forward like Georgia Garnett. So Jody Hicks and Tani Evans were two that I was looking at. Evans notably getting ruck time, which I thought was very interesting. Mel, you were looking in at Brody Mowbray? Yeah, so as I was looking down the list of rookie, uh, rookie price players... In preparation for this episode, I saw a Brody Mowbray and I remember her from last season because she got an average of two and for some reason she was in my notes of someone to bring in for round nine and I have no idea what I was thinking back there. But um just looking at I reckon that might list, be a very, very old note because round nine she was the player last year that we looked at that went below rookie price. Yes. Now, our basement price was what, fourteen thousand, she was priced at like eleven thousand at one point. She was, that was, she like was that great. Feel. I didn't yeah. write that part down, but I think I brought her in because she was so ridiculously cheap and I just needed to get yeah. some extra money and sat her on my bench getting nothing. So my call-out for this one is probably not the one to bring Controversial. In. Yeah, an average, <laughs> average, average two <laughs> that low. A yeah. genuine red flag from me. You don't get that very often. Yeah, if you're looking for a pulse, this might not even be it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Look, we might jump onto the St Kilda Brisbane game, and there was one forward here that I was looking at, Luca Yoshida Martin. Last year as Brisbane small forward, she was a bit, I suppose, it was her first season last season, and she was just a bit overawed by the game. But in the practice game against the Saints, I was really impressed. She is speedy. She was getting amongst great tackling pressure up forward, definitely playing as a small forward. So I wouldn't say that she's got the ceiling that some of the other rookies might have. But from a from a rookie's perspective, could get that 35 to 40 if you're looking for a player like that. And I would say fairly strong job security, even though she's in the Brisbane forward line, which is a tough one to break into. There's a lot of experience up there. Yeah. It's ones like this that I would be really interested in seeing if they don't play round one because, you know, our, our round one teams are already so full. If they don't play round one, they could be one to bring in when they're, while they're still basement priced in a later round. Mm, absolutely. Might just have to go missing, but hopefully, for whatever reason, she's she's out for the first three rounds and then comes in. That'd be nice. <laughs> the Sydney Collingwood game, we've got a lot of relevant rookies here again. Sydney is just a goldmine this year. I'm yeah. very excited for watching them every How week. How many um, Sydney rookies do you currently have in your team? Currently in my team, or well, I think it's I think it's five at the moment, mm. which is yeah t- too many. It's too yeah. many. I'm aware. Moving I'm going to have to cut back at one five, point. It's just. So mm. much going on there. But look, I do have two Sydney forward rookies in my team, so we might start with them. Thanks. And that is Lauren Zagetti and Amy Whelan. So both come from the Hawthorne VFLW team, but they both played a lot of on-ball minutes for Sydney on the weekend, and it was very exciting to see. They're probably not the experienced heads in there, but definitely the older heads in there, the ones that can provide a little bit of a leadership role. And to support... Some of the younger players, you've got Montana Ham and Sophia Hurley they are going to be running through there. I think these two are going to get a lot of minutes with them. Their tackling was great on the weekend. And I think if anyone's going to be getting points in there, those two are very, very good chances. 
I think the other thing to add to Sagetti is the fact that she's in the leadership group in her first season. It's a big tick for job security for me. For me, and so she is in at my well somewhere between my F five or F six at the moment. Are you not concerned, Jono, about having two young forwards from an expansion club team where you don't really know how much the ball's going to be around there? Well, at the very least, every time a goal is kicked against them, there'll be another centre bounce and they'll be standing there. That is probably the most reliable scoring that I can hope for in an expansion team. All of the other rookies that I have from Sydney are in my back line and I'm expecting the ball to live down there as well a little bit. But yeah, they're very, very strong. Interesting. Another Sydney forward that I think in the preseason we had a little bit of a hype on her because Cynthia Hamilton kicked three goals in the match them against the GWS Giants. Very, very quick player and very skillful. She had one point against Collingwood where I think any other person would have taken a shot at goal and she squared it up and, and hit up a teammate for their goal. I was very impressed by her, but she was playing as the deepest forward. So if you've got to pay up a little bit extra for a rookie and they're playing so far away from where the ball yeah. is probably going to be living, I wouldn't be doing it. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably too far. <laughs> The other rookie that I had here from Sydney was Bella Smith, who was actually uh, rotating in the ruck with Ali Morford. So Bella Smith's pretty experienced, probably going to be spending most of her time as a key forward, but she played about a half in the ruck and could be one who's just around the ball a little bit more. You've obviously got the extra hitouts. You should probably get somewhere like 10 to 15 hitouts a match. That's that's a very solid floor that you'll be getting there. The ceiling's not as high, but... You know, yeah. consistency and almost certain job security every week. I think the main key takeaway here for me with the Sydney forwards is that because there's so many basement-priced forwards coming in, they've all got the potential to go up. But the jump that they will have is it's it's going to be good and they're going to be great to watch play, but I'm not sure if any of the ones you've listed there are standouts worth bringing into your team. Like they're all going to increase, but... Are any of them going to increase enough to have one of those coveted five forward positions? Yeah, it's definitely tough. I think Sagetti and Whelan, their VFLW numbers are fantastic. I think Whelan was averaging you know, over 80 in the VFLW, so very reliable numbers there. I'm going to back it in to start the season, but I can very much see why other people won't be. And two is really backing it in. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard the expansion teams. <laughs> Uh, from the same game, we had two of the taller Collingwood players in Imogen Barnett and Olivia Barber lineup. Olivia Barber rucked uh, for the Collingwood Magpies. Uh, that, and that's basically on, on the idea that their actual ruck was out for the match, so I wouldn't expect that to be a long-term role. Imogen Barnett played full forward and looked very, very good, but full forward, not a high-scoring role, and she did get concussed early in the last quarter. So just flagging that they'll... You know, Imogen Barnett will probably be a regular in the Collingwood side, but I wouldn't I wouldn't see that there's a ceiling there. Mm. In the Geelong Gold Coast match, Mel, uh, you, you've taken some insights out, and I think one player that you're starting your team is Mia Skinner from Geelong at the moment. Look, at the start of this episode I was, and then I've just been doing some shuffling to try fit Abby McKay <laughs> now instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I literally took Mia Skinner out like 10 minutes ago. She'll, she'll reappear. I have confidence. This is not my final team. But yeah, the Geelong Gold Coast game. So Mia Skinner 
Great to see that she was around the forward 50 heaps, touching the ball lots. She even got a goal. So that was quite hopeful because now that we're not talking about an expansion team, like there's not, you know, not everyone's a rookie. So it was great to see one of the rookies being stand out there. Cammy Featherstone was another one from Geelong. She was always at the bottom of the tackle, which was great to see that she's getting around the ball. But when I asked Will about should I bring in Featherston or Skinner, he highly recommended Skinner if you're going to pick a Geelong forward, but both potential. Yeah, I think Geelong's got a little bit too many cooks in the kitchen. There are a lot of contested ball winners. They probably don't need another. So yep. one that I think might drop out of the team at some point. While we're on Geelong, uh, one just of note there is Shelley Scott. Uh, not necessarily another relevant player for our teams, but much like Imogen Barnett, is going to be playing full forward, and I think she provides a lot of structure up there. Going to be great for the Geelong forward line. One that uh, the captains actually called out as, as one that they, if they could recruit any player, they would recruit Shelley Scott, which might just be Melbourne regretting their, their trade, their <laughs> trade, letting her go from the team. But yeah, uh, definitely not one to bring into our teams, but a great player for Geelong. The other standout from that practice match was Shanti Bush for me. She looked very confident with the ball and she went for a what what I imagine is quite a complex kind of wrap around the body, kick from the side to try and get a goal. Um, unfortunately, she missed and got it behind, but it just made me go, wow, this she's either very lucky or very confident and knows how to play football well. So I don't think she's a potential to bring into the team, but I thought she deserved a shout out. I think we've only got two more matches to discuss here, and I'm very excited because they're both chock full of fantasy relevant players. Liam, we might start with you at Essen and Port Adelaide because there are so many different players there. Yeah, so this this one could take a little bit of minutes. This is going to be a lot of Liam, unfortunately. So the first one I want to talk about is Paige Scott. She was a relatively high draft pick, so I believe she's about 46k. She's going to be quite expensive, but she was absolutely everywhere in the first quarter and first quarter and a half and is someone who is going to get midfield time or off half-back and looks like a gun just flat out, like taking some great marks, look great kick. So definitely one to be watching out for. She's currently in my forward line as my F4. So I've kind of changed my structural line a little bit in my forward line, but she's definitely one I'm looking to bring in. The other one who I really, really want to talk about from the Bombers is Joanne Doonan, who comes in as a basement prize player. She was in at, I believe, the second and third centre bounces in the game and was getting CBAs for the entirety of a match when other players were kind of drifting in and out. She comes in with a little bit of experience in the past at an AFLW level, but I believe that she's someone that will roll through the Bombers' CBAs at the beginning of this season, kind of as that third fiddle below Barber and Prasparkas. So definitely another one to watch there. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of a lot of those. Paige Scott, it's one that you have to pay up a little bit for, but... Jeez, it sounds like it could be worthwhile. Yeah, she was she was getting involved in the kick and mark game, so she's definitely someone that I uh, I want to talk about, or definitely one that I want to at least have in my side in this kind of preseason zone. Yeah, speaking about paying up for Essendon rookies, I saw um, Danny Marshall was there. She's a she's a little bit more expensive as well at thirty one point two grand. But in the I was watching rewatching the game because the Port Essendon game is actually available to watch online on the Port Adelaide website. So go check it out if you haven't already. Um, she took at least one CBA in the little part that I was watching, um, which is exciting news. So she could be another potential as well. But also just in that game, Jade DeMello from Port Adelaide and Hannah Ewings from also from Port Adelaide, they looked great. There's there was so much to watch in that game and. I think Port have also a really exciting rookie lineup. 
I think the the flag with Hannah E Wings is the pro- the the problem she's got is she looks like she's slated for an outside role, a half forward or wing role. So that might mean that she doesn't have the same scoring potential. She's probably going to be a gun in about three years, uh, and looks to be someone with a, a large amount of talent. I just don't know if she's got the role for it this season. Would you say that Hannah E Wings is playing on the wings? Yes, yes, I would. Hannah E Wings is playing on the E Wings. Oh, God, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> you took away yeah, all my she... jokes, Mel. You can be forced to listen to my, my intentionally bad pronunciation. <laughs> I think the one flag with Hannah Ewings there is that they do have an elite winger coming back in the side at some point in Ebony O'Day, who unfortunately in the match team, I think, or in training even, uh, suffered a collapsed lung, which is awful. But at some point this season, she's going to come back in and it might push... I don't think Hannah will be pushed out of the side, but she might be pushed into a more forward role. Just a couple of other players to talk about from that game. One player that we discussed when we talked about the Bombers was Federica Fru, who again looked to be that elite VFLW goal scorer who could transition a game to the AFLW. I think the big flag with her is that she was not playing a particularly high role. She was sat in the goal square a lot. She still managed to kick goals kicked two goals in a minute in the fourth quarter and is truly electrifying and can completely change a game. I just think that the role isn't going to be there. Like I'd flagged her as a potential Tara Bahana type operator for the Bombers this year, but I think that role firmly sits with Bonnie too good and Federica Fru is just going to sit a little too, little bit too deep to bring her into your side. Yeah, very much like Cynthia Hamilton there, uh, which is a bit of a shame, but it, it's, it's a role that I think will do Essendon a lot of good if they can get the ball up there. Yeah, and then there's obviously a bunch of other names that were kind of rolling through that game. Maybe the only one that I want to I want to flag is Mia Van Dyke, who was taking some kick-ins in the second half. Just maybe something that the Bombers kind of uh, consider throughout the season. But I think the the main one is uh, Paige Scott. She's uh, she's hot in my side at the moment. Moving on to the Western Derby, we had Frio and West Coast, and we had an absolute superstar up forward in Megan Kaufman. Mel, do you want to tell us a little bit about her game? Yeah, I mean, she was great. She was the only goal scorer for Frio, which is concerning. But she got two goals in that game, despite having terrible weather, which was very exciting. She looked really confident. She could be getting some midfield minutes as well, which would be even more exciting to have her uh, as a rookie running through the midfield at Frio. She She's still young. Uh, she's only played one year of footy, though, because she's come from a tennis background. So she could be one to keep going up. Yeah, I've seen a lot of hype around Megan Coffin off the back of this game, and it's interesting because she did. She looked fantastic, and to be able to kick goals in the wet like that, very, very high-skilled player, I don't think she's getting the midfield minutes that people think she might because, again, Bowers and Millet, neither of them in the side, and that's going to be a huge chunk of minutes. But it's it's definitely one to, to think about. There's there's some people out there that I trust in the fantasy community that have been very, very hot in her, so that's that's always a promising sign. It is a little bit concerning, though, because we've got as so many rookie forwards that we could be bringing in from these expansion clubs. Do you take a risk on her when it could be all hype, or do you go for someone else? It's a it's a decision. The other one from that game from West Coast was Kate Bartlett, also goal-kicking in the game, so that made her noteworthy. She's clearly a really talented defender, coming off a very high goal-kicking season at the Waffle. So she could be the goal keep, one of the key goal-kickers for the Eagles going forward. That is, if they kick any goals. But, yeah, could be one to watch. I think we've buried the lead with West Coast a little bit because they have... 
They have a phenomenal player up there, which is Ella Roberts. A lot of hype. This was a player that, in a normal draft system, probably would have gone in the first handful of picks because of the way that the draft is run, where it's state-based. She slipped all the way down to pick 14, where West Coast nabbed her with the first Western Australia pick. But my goodness, she is an absolute superstar. Lived up to the hype, was very, very dangerous. I think she had a few uh, score assists, which you love to see from a first-year player. And they ended up resting her along with some of their better players at the end of the third quarter, which is a good sign. They're clearly very hot in starting her in round one. I think she could have the best job security of a lot of these rookie forwards. Yeah, it was the four of them together, Swanson, Lewis, McCarthy and Ella Roberts that were being grouped in in the commentary and that. So that's very exciting to see. The last one, I did miscount earlier. We do have one more game to talk through. It's the Richmond Hawthorne game. It's my team. I don't think any of the forwards here are going to be particularly relevant, which might be a reason why I did. You've just forgot that too well, but yeah. Look, I'll I'll run through all the players though because I think it's important to know what everyone's doing. Talia Fellows is one at Hawthorne who's playing a very similar role to Cynthia Hamilton, Frederica Fru. A few of these players that are playing quite deep forward, getting the ball over the back, and whilst she looked very very fast, Hawks aren't going to be getting the ball up forward enough in their expansion year to to really justify picking a deep forward. Tegan Cunningham does have a little bit of interest for me, mostly playing as a forward, but she was also supporting Lucy Wales in the ruck. And that is something that when she was in there, ferocious. Her tackling pressure was immense. I think at one point she tackled someone and it caused a bit of a a bit of a, a fight actually, which was, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Uh, a lot of energy. And I do think she'll be a tone setter at the Hawks. I would worry about the free kicks she might give away, which is why I'm probably going to steer away. But yeah, uh, yeah, she of all the Hawthorne players that we've got here is definitely the standout. We had a few others that were playing on the weekend. Sophie Locke was a good half forward for the Hawks. Definitely had a lot of tackling presence up there. Uh, And Zoe Barbacos is one that could get a little bit of a run. I'm not expecting huge things from her. Still quite young, so... That's that's probably all there. I don't think Richmond played too much of their young players. Richmond's forward line has got a lot of experience in there. If anything, they're getting experienced players back from injury. So someone like a like a Courtney Wakefield played an, an excellent game. He's going to yes. definitely be a focal point up there. So I, I wouldn't be looking at either of those two Richmond rookies. I feel like we've ended on a low note, but there is a lot of potential here. There is a lot of potential here. There really is. And I'm, I'm excited to, to struggle through it. I'm hoping people have got a little bit better of an idea of who they might be looking at in their forward lines. That's probably going to be our entire summary. So next up, we're going to be looking at our rocks, our final line, which we haven't discussed yet. I'm really excited to face off against Liam in our set and forget versus our rookie rock debate. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a big cakewalk. One. It is going to be a cakewalk for me. You know it, Jono. You know the values in the rookies. Deep down in your heart of hearts, you know it's there. Come join me. For the the moment, at the time of recording, I have a premium ruck in my ruck R1. We're going to see if that holds all the way through to our ruck discussion. Look out for that soon. We're going to be posting that very, very shortly. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're looking for me, I'm at Odds and Steven on Twitter. On Twitter, you can find me at LMTom1. And I am on Insta and Twitter as HiMelD. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. See ya. Bye.